Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. On today's episode, I should be doing a director study for you, looking at a body of work by a specific director who I and also my special guest who I've got with me today knows and loves like the back of our own hands. He's a brilliant director with a very strange comedic style and dark style in other areas he's got a brand new film coming out later this year hopefully we are looking forward to seeing that so much and the director we will be discussing today as you can tell by the episode title if you didn't work out already is edgar wright the director of so many films that are fueled with pop culture references and lavish style throughout which sort of are very unique in their own respect but like i said this guy requires a two-handed discussion and i brought one of my very close friends in to talk about this a fellow film buff and very close friend of mine who i have constantly discussed many edgar wright films with over the years one in particular which we will get back to later in the episode and uh, my guest today is sean harris how you doing sean welcome to the podcast hi thank you for having me i'm doing very well how are you yeah not too bad thank you thank you so much for joining me on this episode i mean to be honest when i think of edgar wright Out of my circle of friends, I really can't think of... I mean, most of us do like him, but you, I would say, are the top one that I think of when it comes to Edgar Wright. Yeah. Uh, Because you literally... I mean, we quote the films, which we'll get to later on in the episode, so much. Yeah, we we all all of us like the Cornetto trilogy, but yeah, I think I sort of stand out compared to the others. Yeah, just a little bit. That's a that's a nice little dig for anyone else. So, guys, if yeah. you're listening to this, I'm very sorry, but I've I've chosen the winner <laughs> in this competition right here. But um, yeah, like I said, it's very nice to have you on the podcast. For obviously people who don't know you, they know that you're my friend. But just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get onto the main topic of the episode. So, who are you? How do you know me in general? And why do you love film so much? Uh, well, yeah, so like, yeah, like David said, I'm I'm Sean, and uh, you know, I'm I I met you through college, and well, what, well, nearly six years ago now, which seems bizarre. Very bizarre. Uh, yeah, uh, and yeah, I just I love this with film. You know, I, I sort of love the different sort of you know the storytelling and sort of, sort of that kind of aspect of it, but also like the just the I'm, I'm a big sucker for cinematography and like unique styles of cinematography. So obviously, Edgar Wright is a excellent example of that. And and I'm also a big fan of Taika Waititi, as you as you know, David, with oh, uh, yes. Thor Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit, especially. Absolutely love it. Absolutely uh, love those films. And obviously Wes Anderson as well, but mainly Edgar Wright's sort of my favourite. He's he's up there. To be honest with you, like you've just named just a couple of directors there that have got such a unique, refreshing style compared to the standard blockbuster that we're used to seeing. Because like, yeah. don't get me wrong, and I, I'm sure you'll you'll agree with me. We love a good blockbuster. We love a bit of Avengers. We love some Star Wars. While Star Wars does have its great cinematic moments, cinematography-based moments as well, you can't really beat the unique style that a particular director, if you're going to believe in the auteur theory of things, of the director controlling the vision of everything, you really have got to sort of look at examples like Edgar Wright, like Wes Anderson, which bring that alternative view and visual aspect to everything, rather than just saying, oh, just point the camera and shoot. There's lots of thought and purpose put behind all of these shots and stories that are being told in this visual medium but enough of that little mini sort of impassioned speech about (laughs) cinema Uh, let's move on to our main topic so thank you for joining me sean let's get started on this episode part one let's 
get started with Edgar Wright and our personal connection to him. So for you, I'll start off with you, Sean. What was the first ever Edgar Wright film or based product? So because I know he's done more than just film. He has dabbled in some TV as well here and there. Yeah. What was the first ever thing that you came across that had his involvement in it? Uh, So I think technically, I think I did see part of Shaun of the Dead or like bits of Shaun of the Dead before I saw Hot Fuzz. But the first one I saw all the way through was Hot Fuzz. Uh, you know, the the classic Cornetto, you know, middle of the Cornetto trilogy. And, you know, a lot of people's favourites It's of the trilogy. It's, pro- it's probably my favourite. I think it is the stronger of the three. But then at the same time, if I would then watch Shaun of the Dead, I'd think that's the best one. Less so with World's End, but even so, it's it sort of, it alternates between the two as to which is the best one. But I think Hot Fuzz is my favourite of the two. To be honest, I would agree with you that Hot Fuzz is the best one of the trilogy of Cornetto based films, <laughs> even though that's a very small part of the film, uh, which yeah. you know, just randomly sort of out of point from before I get on to like what my first experience of Edgar Wright was. I find it so funny that the Cornetto trilogy was like a idea that I think most people picked out as a, oh, look, there's a Cornetto in the first one. And I think yeah. when the second one was made, I think I've read things and listened to commentaries by Edgar Wright where, you know, he did put the the original Cornetto into Hot Fuzz, so the blue Cornetto into Hot Fuzz to represent the police. He did put that in there, but it was more of a, oh, look, I did that last time. Like He wasn't really planning it, but then by the time he got to the world's end, he really sort of was like, you know what, there is a thing going on here. I, I just find it such a strange thing that it was a small tiny little piece of i don't know like british like you know everybody loves a cornetto uh in, in yeah. britain just picking it up from the shop for like a pound or something and next thing you know it's the main name of the trilogy even though the trilogy has nothing to do with ice cream it's literally the smallest part of it i think with the first one it was just like a throwaway line and then the second one was with hot fuzz it was probably just a little like callback to that but then obviously by then the fans had sort of picked it up and then by the time the world's because there was a quite a, a gap between world's end and hot fuzz and mm. so it's sort of I think it's what six years i think is the gap between yeah six years i think the yeah two. and it's not even as i think in the world's end it's not even like a like spoiler alert for you guys who who want to experience the cornetto rappers and all their glory and unspoiler based glory but it really is such a tiny part of the world's end it literally appears right at the end of the film and you think that's the only thing that really other than the cast itself that how you know cast yeah. of recurring actors that appear in pretty much all three of the films that part of it is very much shunned away in the world's end and i that's not why the world's end isn't the best one but at the same time you know <laughs> it really was edgar wright trying yes. to get away from the that reference but he put it in there anyway because he was like oh we gotta do it for the fans kind of thing i reckon but yeah I don't, I don't know what would you say about that uh, yeah, I, I think it's sort of because obviously The World's End is a good film, but I think that you can sort of tell that maybe they'd sort of they were done with the maybe they were done with the idea. Mm. By then, it's sort of like, okay, yeah, we're we're gonna do this trilogy. We've signed on to do a trilogy, but I think clearly The World's End is not their best collaboration. So yeah, I th- I, th- I mean, it's still good. But, you know, it's, it's not a bad film, but it's not it's not their best. Yeah, I would agree on that one. Sort of, I mean. I'll bring that up a little bit more in a second because I actually kind of recently re-watching them, I kind yeah. of learned to love The World's End a little bit more than I had before because I did like it when it came out. But then, like you, I'm like, oh, hot fuzz all the way. I don't know. I've kind of learned to love The World's End a bit more, but I'll get back to that in a moment. But going back to what my original point was of the first ever Edgar Wright thing that I experienced, I, like you, I think the first thing it was definitely hot fuzz. 
and then shortly followed by The World's End. It's very strange, actually. I, I committed the cardinal sin in Edgar Wright, like the, the grail of Edgar Wright. I didn't watch yeah. Shaun of the Dead until last. I literally watched Hot Fuzz, because that was the first one I saw. Yeah. World's End, because I'd heard about it. And I'd heard about Shaun of the Dead, because, you know, it's on all the labels, like from the creators of Shaun of the Dead. I'd heard of it, and I'd seen clips of it, and I'd seen, like, internet jokes about memes and such. And I was like, I don't really know what this is about not that i didn't like it or anything i just never got around to watching yeah. it until last so i i in theory i really messed up the order there i watched the middle the last and then i went back to the beginning which i suppose in a way was quite good in a way because you got to see the peak of like popularity with hot fuzz see yeah. the next stage of it world's end and then going back to what started the journey in the first place so i mean there's no real order to watch them in really because they yeah. aren't an official trilogy like the indiana jones films although there is obviously talk that you should watch temple of doom before raiders of the lost ark yeah but, uh, it's not a traditional trilogy in that sense of the word in terms of the narrative because they're all one-off stories but i think yeah ultimately hot fuzz really sealed the deal for me and then i did discover spaced recently have you ever watched spaced I think because that was I've like... seen the odd episodes a few years ago, but I've not really it's on I added it to my list on Netflix recently, mm. but I've not I've not sort of jumped into it and because it's not I did a little bit of looking at I I believe he only Ed Quite wasn't a main part of it. Like yeah. he directed like one episode, I think. So it was it was more Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and not Edgar yeah. Wright. I'm sure it's still gonna be like brilliant because it's Nick Frost and Ed, and Simon Pegg. The reason why I mentioned space really is because obviously that is the initial conception of this Simon Pegg Edgar Wright foundation that led to the Cornetto trilogy. But moving on to sort of the next experience that I had of Edgar Wright, and I think it's the same one that you had as well. Well, one of. I've only recently, I have to admit, I've not long watched. I rewatched it recently, but I've not long watched before then. Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which I think I believe came out between Cornetto trilogy films. And it's one yes. of his bigger sort of projects. It's up there with Baby Driver. It's more American, it, well, Canadian really, because it's mostly set in Canada, yeah. but it's one of his bigger sort of more American like than productions because of the scale of it all. I watched Baby Driver first because I'd heard about it. I'd seen clips of it and heard lots of bits and pieces about it online. And you'd mentioned it as well. And I'd watched it. Yeah. I was like, that, it's a really good film. But I, I don't know. What was your, what's your opinion? Like, which one do you prefer? Baby Driver or Scott Pilgrim? So the thing is, so, I mean, obviously, you know, David, Baby Driver is my favorite film of all time. So always, really? if you say. Really? I didn't, I, like, I did, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, my favorite, <laughs> it's my favorite film of all time. So obviously, if you say pick between Baby Driver and any other film, I'm going to go for Baby Driver. Oh. But I think with Edgar Wright's films, you've got to sort of think of it as they're, they're all just so completely different that mm. you can watch one film and think, oh, that wasn't really my sort of thing. And then you'll watch, say you watch Baby Driver, it wasn't really your sort of thing. But then you watch Scott Pilgrim. And because it's so completely different, you can think that's the best film I've ever seen. Mm. Or, you know, the other way around or whatever. Like, And uh, even with the Connecticut, you could watch one, hate it, watch another, love it. And it's sort of, they're all completely different. All of his films are completely different. And so, yeah, I think... They're sort of they're both excellent in terms of, but it, but you've got to think of they're different films, like they're completely different genres, styles, and all sorts. So it's sort of Scott Pilgrim is a comic book film, and mm. and it's sort of and he's done really well in in terms of stylizing it, and he's mimics panels from the comic book in his shots and things like that. And then you get something like Baby Driver, and it's just completely different, action heavy, all that. It's just yeah. 
No, I would absolutely agree with that because for me, whilst I do like a comic book movie, I enjoy the Marvel films. I'm not really a fan of the DC films. I'm not going to lie. I like aspects of the DC universe. I like the characters and I like, you know, comic booky nature of things. I'm more of a, yeah. and a bit of a, some DC fans out there. I'd be like, why do you like the CW shows over the, uh, over the big serious dark universe? I'm just like, because I'm too Marvel infused. That's why. Uh, but the yeah. main point really here is that, you know, I enjoy comic book based films and comic violence. It's really fun. But at the same time, the way it, it wasn't done badly for me personally, Scott Pilgrim, but when I, I first watched it and even when I re-watched it I was like I like the stylization of it I think the set pieces are really cool it's a really interesting concept but it didn't really grab me because I think for me although it's comic booky it felt too video game like now this is a bit of, yeah. a, con- bit of a contrast for me because some people will probably really disagree with me here I don't know about you but like I pleasantly enjoyed Ready Player One. Now, I know some people didn't really like Ready Player One, but I kind of enjoyed that. And that's got that video game aesthetic to it. And yeah. I know when I was younger, I watched there was that, was it Spy Kids 3? I mean, I haven't watched that in ages, but that was a video game kind of concept as well. And I yeah. did enjoy that as well. But this one, I kind of felt like it was a video game, but it was also for a much older audience. It felt like more serious then, shall we say? Whereas the likes yeah. of Ready, Ready Player One and like it's three they're much more aimed to a slightly younger audience not so much uh, ready player one because that's got a bit of maturity in there but like yeah. i feel that i don't know when it when it's more of a universal thing and there's it's not so much the stylization really distracted me in the sense that i was paying attention to that more than the you know the actual core of the story like i really yeah. like to follow the stories and in the other films so baby driver for instance that's got a really really emotional core to it really at the with the character of baby and yeah. lily james's character as deborah as well you know their romance i mean i'm a bit of a sucker for a little bit of a romance film here and there but because it's mixed well with the action it kind of reminds me of like a like not fully tarantino but a little bit of that aspect of it and yeah. just the general action film as well that's why i enjoyed it but like i don't know what would you say sort of i know you clearly like baby driver but yeah, yeah. what would you say about the likes of scott pilgrim like what did you make of its I don't know the way it came across when you first watched it. So I mean, I I loved it when I first watched it, and you know, it's it's still a really good film, and I th- I think it's a really interesting style. And when I first watched it, I wasn't aware that it was a comic book or anything like that. It, mm. I, it was just oh, this is just a new film that's come out. Mm. But I really liked sort of you know the the style of it and like the the symbolism for all the different you know the evil exes and all that lot. And so when you mm. get the I think I think it's when the yeah when the fifth one first meets him he's walking along and there's like five x's in the sky from like just street signs mm. and you know all, all those sort of things I, I love the sort of the symbolism of them and like sort of the yeah just all the different symbolism and the use of color and it's not his best film but like, mm. at the same time it's still a great film no I agree and and to be honest actually whilst we're here a slight tiny point that i'd like to point out i was a bit taken aback when i watched it again recently remembering that chris evans was in this film yeah (laughs) like i was like wait a second that looks like chris evans that's not chris evans it is chris evans (laughs) it's funny because fantastic four and scott pilgrim are the two films for me that you you watch them back after like avengers and all the big marvel thing and you're like yeah he was in that I'm taken aback by it, really, to be honest, because all I think of him as now is Captain America. When I see him in anything yeah. else, well, Captain America and also, um, again, what his character's name is, but the guy in Knives Out as well, because I watched that recently. Yeah, yeah. 
but I think it's yeah it's just a very strange experience seeing actors that you know for such an iconic role like Captain America yeah. in something in the very early days of their career it's just very strange and you know he's yeah. so not like Chris Evans that I imagined him to be too tough I think in my opinion I want him to be nice I want him to be Steve Rogers again <laughs> adding on to that bit as well so Captain Marvel is also in Scott Pilgrim she mm. is the ex-girlfriend whose name I can't remember at the moment. Yeah, the singer who sings uh, yeah, the song. The, the singer. Scott's ex-girlfriend. Her name's escaping, but yeah, it's um that was sort of her first big film. And then you look at her now and she oh she's you know, she directed you the, the unicorn store. Mm. I don't know if you watched that I, on I Netflix. I haven't seen that. I, I it has been recommended to me by someone else as well, but I'll have to check that one out yeah. actually. It's it's it is good. It's it's a bit of a weird film. Like not weird as in sense of like the the you know the plot. It's just it's a bit difficult to explain. It's just it's just weird. Like just <laughs> okay, that's a that's a film that's been made. Okay, yeah, like yeah. you know, it's a bit it's... like Sharknado. I'm guessing like that's been made, <laughs> but better, but better. I'm guessing <laughs> so much better. Yeah, so much better than Sharknado. But it's, oh god, <laughs> it's it's definitely one of the ones I I watched it. And I was like okay, yeah. That. It's all right. It's not a bad film. It's not a great film either. Because I mean, it's only I think ninety minutes. I think so. It's not a very long film, but it it is a good film, sort of overall. But I'm not in a rush to watch it again, really. Uh, and I, I I will follow your example. I will watch it once, and I probably won't watch it again. Yeah. But I'll take yeah. your recommendation for now on that yeah. one. But yeah, Brie Larson. Actually, funny fact, actually, because I know recently, um, so before this episode goes out, recently, as of the recording of this, we, I think Edgar Wright released, uh, is it Scott Pilgrim versus the world? He released it in like Dolby Atmos in, yeah. uh, in like back in cinemas. I saw something somewhere that apparently the song that Brie Larson's character sings has gone to like, it's gone quite high yeah, up it, in the it's, iTunes it's now, Yeah, it's um, it's been released on Spotify and there was a band that wrote it, I think, and they have a version on Spotify and they have for years, but then her, like Brie Larson has re, I don't know whether it's, it sounds like it's a re-recording. So it's, it's her recording it herself. You know, it's not from, it's not from the film. Uh, and it's, yeah, it just sort of reminds you of how good that scene is. And like, it's a great song from the film. We've kind of touched on this already. So you've said that your favorite film by Edgar Wright is Hot Fuzz. But I know that you have a couple of others that you'd like to mention as well. So what other, other than Hot Fuzz, I mean, you can tell us a little bit about why you like Hot Fuzz in short, but what other films would you class as your favourite Edgar Wright films? Like, would you, like, do you have like a top three, I suppose? Uh, yeah, so my, my top three are probably, so Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz is second, and then Scott Pilgrim Rest of the World in third, but obviously number one, Baby Driver. Like, you know, like I said like, a little while ago, it's, it's my favourite film of all time. Like, mm. I, I love it. It's brilliant. It does a very interesting thing, really, because it really shows Edgar Wright's skill in filmmaking. Because what yeah. sort of highlights would you point out yourself from the film? Because obviously the obvious one is the music and the editing being so in sync. So, like, for instance, yeah. the, every gunshot in a, yeah, lo a load of to, scenes is set to a beat. Uh, yeah, so obviously the, the big one is there's tequila. Um, oh, there's a gunfight set to that and also hocus pocus where oh. he's uh where baby is running through he's being chased by the police and like that, that sort of that sort of near the end of the seat the film and again that's another one that's just set perfectly it's so like perfectly in time with the music but then there are some other bits so in another scene that's so it's it's not set in time it's not really set in time to the music but some bits of it are when 
I think it's called Harlem Shuffle, I think is the name of the song. Yeah, I think where I it's got the name. lyrics like around like on the graffiti and all that kind of stuff. When he's in the coffee shop, uh oh, yes. it pans round and there's a there's some graffiti on the wall and it's a black heart. Mm. And then he sees Deborah and follows her background. You see the graffiti again, and it's now a red heart, and it sort oh, of yeah. introduces her as the love interest. I mean, it's just such a subtle detail. I didn't notice it until maybe a year and a half after I'd seen the film. It's I just funny, saw, actually. saw it on Twitter. Yeah, it's funny because um, although you might have sent it on Twitter, you were the actual one that pointed it out to yeah. me because I remember yeah. you sending me a message actually when it, I think it was about a year after the film came out and we were re-watching yeah. it and you said to me, oh, did you ever notice this little detail? And you forwarded me the tweet and I was like, wait, what? So I watched the film, I popped my Blu-ray on and I literally, I paused it, rewound it and looked at it again. I was like, it, that really just shows. And obviously because it's one of his latest films, it really shows how much care and attention that Edgar Wright puts into his work. In the Cornetto trilogy, the references where he references little bits from the previous film. So, for instance, the obvious one for me, which, you know, one of my favourite moments is the, the fence that keeps collapsing or the hopping over fence yeah. gag. You know, in Shaun the Dead, it's jumping over the fence, it's going through the fence. Obviously, we get the best of both worlds in Hot Fuzz where Danny Butterman, so Nick Frost's character, he crashes through the fence after yeah. boy Nick. Nicholas Angel, played by Simon Pegg, hopping over the garden fences so skillfully. And then we're sort of wrapped up, really, by the ultimate comedy of it all, the drunken comedy in The World's End, where you get uh, Simon Pegg as Gary King. I actually think that's probably my favourite of the fence hopping. I think yeah. Gary King <laughs> trying to go over and going, oh, no, and falling off, and the whole fence going yeah. down as he's running away from the blanks. It is absolutely one of my favourite moments of that particular gag. I, I think yeah. in Shaun the Dead, it's quite underwhelming for me because like it's just there and it happens. And yeah. Hot Fuzz, it's funny because you see the good attempt and you see the bad attempt. But I think because yeah. of the nature of the world's end, because they're all, well, Gary King is always drunk. If you watch the story, you'll understand he's always in a state of drunkenness, particularly yeah. during the majority of the film because of the amount of alcohol he's consumed. But I do think that is probably one of my favourite fence-hopping gags in the entire yeah, Cornetto I, trilogy. I, I think it's sort of... It's it's really the culmination of the fence hopping gag. You know they've done the the jumping over, they've done the falling through. So you so you have to. The only way they could have done is the best of both and have him jumping over a higher fence and failing. And it's it's the best one to have for that film as well. It works with like the character. Yeah. No. Exactly. Of Gary King. So couldn't agree more really with that. I just and and this is why I was saying earlier that I've learned to love the world's end a little bit more. You mentioned obviously, so you've got so just a reminder, so you've got Scott Pilgrim at number three, Hot Fuzz at number two, Baby Driver at number one. Yeah. For me personally, I would play around, I wouldn't include Scott Pilgrim. So yeah. I would say strangely, although I love Hot Fuzz, at the moment I'm gonna place Hot Fuzz at number three. Yeah. Baby Driver at number two. <coughs> And controversially, I'm going to put The World's End at number one, only because I've rewatched it quite recently. And Baby Driver is amazing. It's brilliant. The editing, the music choices and the way it's all synced up together. It's great. Hot Fuzz is really fun, as we've discussed. And it's got so many yeah. good gags like, you know, The Greater Good. The Greater Good. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, all these little, um, oh, Leslie Tiller was murdered. All those little bits and pieces. I just think the world's end for me, I'm feeling more of a, as I'm getting a bit older now, I don't know about you, but as we're getting older, I feel more of a connection to the world's end than Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is like our youth in a way. Like, like yeah. when, we, when we first experienced Edgar Wright, we were a little bit younger. That's the fun times. Whereas, I don't know, the world's end is 
it's a very sad, tragic story when you look at it, really, because you look at Gary. Yeah, he's a survivor of goes to an Alcoholics Anonymous group. He's you know, he self-harmed himself. It's quite a dark story, really, when you look at it. But at the same, he faces everything with this great gusto. And I think the character of Gary King, I think is probably neck and neck, I would say, with Simon Pegg's other character, Nicholas Angel. Because I think with Sean, yeah. Sean and Sean the Dead, he's very much a everyday guy put in the midst of a unusual situation, which yeah. not lots of films do. Whereas Hot Fuzz, you get this really efficient policeman and then he becomes a fish out of water and he has to take on an he has to take on a cult essentially yeah uh, a strange backward village who want to win village of the year for like the 100th year in a row or whatever that i think with gary king he's probably the most textured character would you sort of say that like compared to the others i think simon pegg's gary king is the most layered character and has the most yeah. depth and interest in terms of his backstory and what his emotional problems are, what he's going through, and the reason why he wants to relive this golden moment from his younger days, which didn't quite come to fruition in the end. Yeah, I think of the three, it's sort of, you know, you sort of, you le- I mean, yeah, you learn bits about Sean and uh, Nicholas Angel, and, but with Gary King, you sort of, you see his story and like sort of what happened to him and why, he, you know, it, it's just that he couldn't cope with his friends leaving. And, you know, that's what sort of set it off, really. And, it's the sort of thing of, you know, when you're younger and you're leaving school, college, whatever, and it's sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, all the good times that we're going to keep having them. And then real life hits, you get jobs and you can't always meet up with people and stuff like that. And it's sort of, it's him sort of trying to bring back that youth and trying to get the gang back together. And he's depressed, really, is like the best way. You know, I mean, obviously, it's just sort of how life has affected him, really. And it's quite depressed you know his, his character arc is depressing really if you sort of look at the real life aspects of it you know never mind the the robots or aliens or and everything yeah. like his story is depressing really yeah i think that's the reason why people don't like the film as much because i yeah. think they look at it and because they look at sean the dead they look at hot fuzz they are like sean the dead is obviously a parody of zombie films even yeah. though that's not what his intention was to start with uh edgar yeah. right i because i i've read and heard things that he said oh i didn't intend for it to be a parody of horror films and zombie films yeah but it just ended up being like that way hot yeah. fuzz again he was a little bit more intentional whereas this one is so different like you say you pointed out at the beginning that all these films are very different and you get different experiences from watching them and i think this one's so different from any of the other films he's done it's not a comic book video game film it's not a zombie film it's not a police comedy buddy cop drama it's a real emotional story Mac together with robots and alien. Well, not robots. We're not robots because robot is a slave, or <laughs> as they would have you say, so, yeah. we are not robots. <laughs> what are we going to call them? That's actually probably one of my favorite things. Actually, is when they're trying to decide what to call the well robots or not robots. Yeah. When they, when they finally just go, oh, well, we call the blank, and they just call them blanks for the rest of the the thing. And the fact that by the end of the film, a whole society has been based on this. Everybody in the world calls them blanks, even though it only started in New. Newton Hayes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say World's End is my sort of favorite one at the moment. But I would say, in terms of filmmaking, Baby Driver is the best one. I love the, yeah. the touches. The black and white bit at the end when it fades into color when he comes out of prison. And yeah. we hear Simon and Garfunkel, Baby Driver, at the end of the film, going yeah. over the credits. That is one of my favorite little moments, as well as obviously Jamie Foxx's little moment with tequila and the explosion goes yeah. off in the back. I love that. And then on top of that, I would say the next favorite bit. So I think World's End, I like the character of Gary King and his arc, even though it's depressing. Yeah. I do enjoy that. 
there are several moments in that which I really enjoy. But going back to your favorite film of Baby Driver, I think that the moment that stands out for me is the killer track. So it's Baby's killer dra- track, and that yeah. is Brighton Rock by Queen. Brighton Rock by Queen. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say about that? That whole sequence at the end with Kevin Spacey's character and and John Hamm as well. Uh, yeah. I. It doesn't really come out of nowhere, but sort of the bit with. The fact that it ends in a sort of fight in a, a car fight in a car park like mm. is sort of the, the best way I can explain it. Uh, yeah, I think it's sort of the perfect culmination of sort of everything that's happened to Buddy and also to Baby. Because obviously by that point, Buddy's lost his wife and mm. lost the opportunity for, you know, to make millions. And so I think it's sort of, it's the perfect end for that part of it. And I just, I mean, that that ending chase scene set to hocus pocus it's, it's just perfect yeah and i just yeah it, i i could talk about like yeah we could do the whole <laughs> episode just on baby driver really, i think but i think we it's... should i think we should we'll we'll pick this up on another episode because yeah, yeah there's so much to unpack last word on baby driver for me personally i really like the way that we get so buddy so john ham's character yeah i really like the way that from the beginning of the film you think he's an ally of baby and he's really sort of even though he only knows him from a couple of jobs now in the entire film from like two jobs i i like this sort of i don't know kind of a brotherly maybe even fatherly kind of because whilst doc played by kevin spacey is meant to be the father figure like corrupt father figure you do get that sense of parental care slash brotherly care in john ham's character because he's looking out for babies like oh leave him alone you have your yeah. own killer track you have your own mood that's great and then when he turns on him it, it sort of makes you realize that he ultimately was never a good guy in the first place but he was yeah. just sort of he he knew what baby could do he was utilizing his skills and the minute baby loses it he just goes right that's it i had enough i'm getting you whether you like it or not uh it yeah. doesn't end well for him but you know no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it doesn't what well, to be fair actually jamie fox gets off much worse to be fair <laughs> that, that scene yeah. it, it still takes me by surprise the minute baby just yeah loses it's just it, like, so like it's just like yeah but i think sort of similar to that i think for me the perfect if you if you think of it as like baby's interaction with different characters are, are different plot lines so you've got like him with get the the criminals and you've got him with his foster father trying to do right by him but then for me the best is uh him and deborah mm, yeah, like yeah. i just i i love their interactions and like sort of the way they act out the characters, you, they make a realistic couple. Like it's yeah. sort of like you would, you could understand them sort of falling for each other in yeah. that sort of time frame and all that. And it sort of it works. And you know, it's obviously, I've seen arguments of that clearly Deborah is a sort of like a stand-in for his mother and sort of because obviously works in the same diner, a singer, all that. It's a credit to Ansel Elgort and Lily James's acting. Is like you know, mm. they seem like a like a couple, or it's believable that they would be together. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm very much a Lily James fan. I like her in most yeah. things, but she does a fantastic job in Baby Driver. And like like you say, the pairing is just, you know, really good. My last sort of point I was going to make, because I, I meant to make it earlier, my favourite moment, so Baby Driver, all the musical moments, Brian Rock, that's one of my favourite bits, and we could talk about yeah. that forever. But the bit that I really like, music-based as well, since we're talking about music, is when they use in The World's End, where they use Kylie Minogue's Step Back in Time, when they go to, I want to say it's the 8th pub, possibly, maybe the 7th, I can't remember which number yeah. it is, but The Mermaid, where it's a, it's a, it's a club. They're going on about, they're talking about in the previous pub, the marmalade sandwich. And it's, you know, these three girls with three different shades of hair. Yeah. Uh, one particular with the red head in the middle. Uh, and they yeah. turn out to be blanks. But 
I just love how the guy, I think it's Peter, the character of Peter, Nick Frost's character. Nick Frost, of, yeah. Yeah, and um, Gary as well, where they literally just go, marmalade sandwich like that like in a like a, a haze of of zombie like state of like oh my god like hypnotized and they're just there like what <laughs> and you know i think the use of music in edgar wright films is just such a key pivotal point in his filmmaking it's a big yeah. part of baby driver it's you a big know, part of the end of Shaun of the Dead where they with the, Queen, sort of Queen like, on the yeah. jukebox, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who put this record on? Who put this rubbish on? Why is Queen still playing? <laughs> I just love how Simon Pegg just loses it at the end where he's like, yeah. Why is Queen still playing? Oh, I don't know. And yeah, there's always jokes about oh, who put this rubbish on? It's just on repeat, it's on shuffle. <laughs> Music is so pivotal. And that yeah. in turn brings me to what I want to talk about next. And that's the Petula Clark. I want to say that's the art, the original artist um, song Downtown. Yeah. Which is very relevant for recent times because it is featured in the trailer. And I will say probably in the film when we hopefully get to see it. Edgar Wright's latest effort, which will finally be out in October in 2021. Hopefully, if all goes well, it looks amazing. Uh, the song Downtown is sung by uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, I want to say, sang by. Yeah. And this film, Last Night in Soho, really is a culmination of his cinematic genre play. Because Edgar Wright is a genre director. He's done zombie films, police drama, alien sci-fi invasion, a crime action thriller, and all sorts of other bits in between. And a bit of comedy here and there as well. But this one truly looks really interesting really good really visually good it's a hot it, it kind of borderlines i was talking to you about this before like about people that we know who like uh, the conjuring films and you know horrors yeah. and stuff like that and i do think that this is borderline going on that mixed in with a bit of like i don't know stylish edgar wrightness that's not a word but we'll coin it now yeah <laughs> what would you what was your so the film briefly before we continue so last night in soho edgar wright's latest film stars anna taylor joy who many of people will know from the netflix series the queen's gambit uh, and it's also got matt smith who for me as a doctor who fan i absolutely cannot wait to see him do something that doesn't involve a boat um but he's still got the quiff <laughs> and it's also got tomzin mckenzie as well playing eloise who's an aspiring fashion designer uh, who is kind of paralleled with anna taylor joy's Sandy, who's a singer in this club in the 1960s, and we've got a bit of time travel here. And like, I found this trailer very interesting, very haunting, and it went from naught to a hundred very quickly with the slow song and everything like that. What would you say your reactions to it were? I think because I sort of I didn't know much about what the film was going to be because he's not really said much about you know it's it's no, a he horror hasn't. film. He said there was an interview in Empire magazine recently. Uh, where he said, you know, it, it's it's a different style of zombie film to Shaun of the Dead. So it's a, it's a zombie film, hmm. which you sort of I, I rewatched the trailer before recording this, and you you wouldn't know that it's a zombie film until the very end when it's sort of like knocking at the door, and then a fist smashes through, and then they're clawing at the floorboards and stuff like that. And then so you know, I really don't know what to expect with this film because there is also sort of you know time travel elements and different realities maybe or some you know mm. something is going on with Anna Joy and the other woman I can't remember her name's from Jojo Rabbit oh yeah Tom's and Mackenzie yeah so it's sort of you don't really know what's going on so there's I mean the zombie bit, it, you know the zombie bit could just be a minor you know it could still be a horror film but it might be the zombie bit might be a minor part of it really yeah. compared to what's actually going on we you know we don't know and I just I look forward to watching it when it comes out 
uh, if it comes out in October, hopefully think, it will. Fingers crossed, because let's face it, I, it was meant to really, well, actually, it was delayed, wasn't it? Because they delayed filming because of the pandemic. And yeah. I think if it had actually, I think it might have still come out this year, but it might come out a bit earlier or it might have been the yeah. end of last year if it hadn't been delayed. Um, but I'm very interested to see what the finished product looked like, like you say, because yeah. it looks incredibly cool. I'm a sucker for like the old re- retro stuff going back to a certain period. I yeah. love personally the shot of the big billboard of, I can't remember the name of the, 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 um, the cinema but it actually because someone's done one of those social media things where you hold up a picture from a film in front yeah. of an area the like actual the, area the location the location yeah. and because i know edgar wright's actually done that with somewhere from like um somerset for hot fuzz he's actually gone yeah. there and taken a picture of like nicholas angel and it's in that bit but i do yeah they've done it with the it's just off of leicester square if i remember correctly and I've, yeah. been, I've been there and it's a really, I think I saw a billboard for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there, actually, when I last yeah. went to London, God knows how long ago now, back nearly two years ago. And that is where, and this big, massive neon, like loads of bulbs and stuff lit up with them. Um, I think it's, is it Thun? I want to say it's Thunderball. Thunderball yeah, yeah, or... yeah, Sean Con- yeah, Sean Connery in Thun, yeah. Yeah, because I really, yeah, I love the fact that there's such attention to detail and the fact that Edgar Wright has brought out his love of the cinema into this because he's a big, if anyone follows Edgar Wright on social media, he loves the Prince Charles Theatre. He literally lives there. Uh, (laughs) When when it's open, he literally lives there. I just, you know, I think it's going to be a great homage to the 60s as well as being a very stylish psychological horror. And I can't wait to see it, uh, really, to be honest. Uh, What were your sort of final thoughts on what to sort of look forward to really with it. Uh, I mean, I, I think obviously we've only had the one trailer and we, and you know, we don't really know too much about it and either way, I'm going to go and see it. Yeah. I, th- I think just from the one trailer alone, it looks brilliant, but I think if they do a second trailer, then that would probably maybe give more of an idea of what's actually going on with the plot. Yeah. And so I, I think I'm, I'm open to sort of see what's actually going on, but I, I think a second trailer would probably do it well, like do it yeah. good for people that wouldn't, most people, unlike us, where it's like, Edgar Wright, let's go watch the latest film. Some yeah. people might, you know, they might be a bit hesitant because, you know, it looks a bit weird and sort of with the different realities or time, you know, wh- whatever it is, I think a second trailer would do it good for yeah. other, like for other people that aren't sort of, you know, massive movie buffs like us. But I yeah, think exactly. for people like us that are massive movie buffs or massive Edgar Wright fans, I think, you know, they're, they're going to like go and see it no matter what because yeah. it's an Edgar Wright film. It's his first one since Baby Driver not including the documentary that he's done oh yeah about the sparks brothers yeah no i haven't seen that yet have you seen that yet no no i've seen like a trailer for it and but that's it yeah because um, i'm not familiar with them as musicians anyway yeah yeah so it's a very much a personal interest kind of thing i guess yeah yeah although i do know that uh, i saw on twitter today that simon Pegg is in that film he does a voice role whether it's an announcer or something you know he d- but yeah he's in that one as well so another little collaboration with simon Pegg and edgar wright to be honest, I know it would ruin the integrity of the film completely, but I really want Simon Pegg or Nick Frost or, you know, someone, anyone, probably Martin Freeman, because I feel like he'd suit the era <laughs> just to pop yeah. up randomly, <laughs> just as a small part, nothing major, just to pop up in the middle, like like a cloakroom attendant or something like that, maybe just to be like, can I take your coats, please? Oh, yeah. God. Or maybe I... just like a reference to Sean. Obviously, if this is zombies or you know whatever it ends up being, yeah, uh, just a reference to Shaun of the Dead. I, I mean, think would be not like sort of. Yeah, it would be really nice because I, do you think about it, Edgar Wright is very much referencing other films because you know Hot Fuzz they watch Bad Boys too they watch uh, Point Break 
Uh, yeah. And also on the TV in, um, not Scott Pilgrim, in the TV in, well, actually, Hot Fuzz as well, actually. They have a DVD. It's a blink and you'll miss it moment. But when Danny's looking at, uh, Nick Frost is looking at the pile of DVDs in the Summerfield, there's a copy yeah. of Shaun the Dead there, which yeah. Yeah, I noticed that ages ago when I first watched Hot Fuzz after you know learning Shaun the Dead and seeing the cover for the DVD, I was like, oh, nice little references like that. I really appreciate little references. Yeah. I think that one's very much a blink and you'll miss it thing mm. and then yeah. like and i you know you sort of keep forgetting about it so you'll watch it once oh yeah that's you know that's a nice little reference and then you'll not really think about it and then you, you know you'll watch it again like months later or whatever and then yeah oh that's a nice reference and so it's sort of it's something that you're not going to remember it's like you know all yeah. all the time yeah. and so it's sort of it's always a nice thing to notice when you're watching it yeah and i think that's sort of the thing with edgar right he really does bring out nice references that aren't like too punching you in the face and kind of like here's a reference other than obviously the fence gag. That's a big one. We like the fence gag. <laughs> but yeah, last of all, is there any sort of final thoughts you want to give on like Edgar Wright as a director? Are you excited to see it? Hopefully, I mean, I hope he does more films after last night in Soho because I think he deserves to do some more and get some more quality work out there. But what would you say? Is there anything you want to see from him? Well, I think obviously, so he's, he's already said, you know, he's finished, well, he's actually finished the script for Baby Driver 2. So I can't wait for that to start production and just to see what, like how that's going to work because he has shown the script to Ansel Elgort as well. So clearly Baby is in it. It's not going to be another person or anything. Like I think it would be interesting to see where he takes that that sort of universe and whether it would be just a just a two-part film, whether it can become a series, you know, a trilogy or something. But I think any more Baby Drivers, I mean, just to see what the soundtrack would be as well because the soundtrack to Baby Driver is so, it fits perfectly with the film that each song works with the scene it's in and it's just... I mean, I could talk about Baby Driver for days. It's, I was it's about, my favourite film. I was about to say that I, I feel like Baby Driver might be your favourite film. I'm yeah, not. I'm not. I'm not too sure. Maybe, really, like, you yeah, might have. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. I don't know if you've laboured the point or whether you're. you're yeah. you know, you're being really subtle about this. <laughs> yeah, how much I love Baby Driver. I mean, the secret really is here, guys. He hates it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, he. I, I, I hate Edgar Wright's films. So I just. No, absolutely not. No, we know you love those. But actually, last final note I would say is I want to see what the track list is for the soundtrack of um if there is a pop soundtrack for Last Night in Soho, because I can only imagine that'll be such a nice eclectic soundtrack, really, to be honest with you. I'd l I really want to see what that's like. Before we go, just very quickly, any films that you're looking forward to just like listing any or just a couple that you're looking forward to seeing it now cinemas are back open and as we look forward to seeing new releases come back to our eyes and ears is there anything you're looking forward to in particular i know there's a couple that i'm looking forward to other than last night in soho obviously yeah so obviously we've got last night in soho but the king's man i'm a big fan of the kingsman film series i mean we're gonna and... make a trip you know we're gonna plan a trip aren't we we're gonna yeah. make yeah. several trips to see you know yeah. these films but the king's man like we're in it from the beginning we need to see this one and the third yeah. one whenever that comes out as well i mean especially the king's man though because obviously that was advertised that was meant to come out last year it was mm. advertised over a year ago now and so so we've had that trailer you can tell it's it's a kingsman film those films are brilliant but obviously other than that we've got just the marvel films coming out some of them i'm more interested like sort of spider-man's the main one for me just because it's a character i know i'm very much um, excited for spider-man because i'm a lover of zendaya and tom holland <laughs> as a unit can't get enough of them really they're just 
really like you know obviously there was toby Maguire and i think kirsten dunce is i think that's yeah that, that was yeah. it i grew up with them but i really am loving the vibe between this new peter and mj and it's going to be a christmas film essentially yeah. it's going to be partially set at christmas because it's coming out at christmas i am so excited for that yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see sort of how it ties, because obviously Doctor Strange is in it as well, potentially the other Spider-Men, but yes. also they've been they've been denying that a lot, but oh, the so other Spider-Men, and Charlie Cox is dead on from the Netflix series, is rumoured to be in it. Again, of the four shows, well, five shows they did and four characters, I think Daredevil is my favourite one. Mm. I'm a favourite character, my favourite show, all of it. So I, I just, I want Charlie Cox back as Daredevil. Uh, I know there are sort of potentially some rights issues with like sort of whether he can be in it or not, but it's looking like he, he is. Spider-Man is the one I'm most looking forward to. Uh, and then, yeah, the King's Man, like we've said. Sean? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, my friend. It's been an absolute pleasure just nerding out about Edgar Wright, to be honest, and just chatting yes. absolute so much about him. Like, we could talk about this for ages. I might even get you back on just to talk more about Baby Driver theories and anticipation for Baby Driver 2, because I, I could do that. I'm down for that. It's It's been so much fun just talking about like Edgar Wright and just, yeah. I mean, this is just, you know, these are some of the conversations we just have over, over Messenger or whatever, like normally, yeah. but we're just we're recording it and releasing it to the world yeah so guys if you've enjoyed this you know please keep tuning in to us and yeah if you've enjoyed sean's episode especially i'll get him back i mean i want to get him back anyway but you know i'll put it to a vote (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah see like it'll be really awkward now if i do a poll and people go no oh i hate i hated him he's a terrible guest we don't want him back (laughs) never again don't do an edgar wright episode again <laughs> yeah don't do baby driver don't do any of this yes he's oh. terrible i can't my ears can't stand it <laughs> <laughs> oh honestly thank you so, yeah, i'll just oh you got me all giddy now that's just hilarious um thank you so much again i'll get back to being official now thank yeah. you so much for coming on the podcast sean it's been a pleasure having you on it's been a pleasure to be here and to nerd out on edgar wright yeah <laughs> absolutely right that's a wrap on take 97 the directed by edgar wright special with me your host david ingram and me sean harris thank you very much guys and i'll see you on the next episode see you later do you want to say bye as well <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. goodbye <laughs> end of the podcast